you. Man, that was good singing. And I'll tell you, I tell everybody, uh, if you want some good godly music, we've got some. If you want Christian music, there's a difference between Christian music and godly music, and what you just heard was godly music. And so thank you so much. I thank Pastor Reno for inviting us here tonight and for just the opportunity to be able to preach tonight the Word of God. And uh, thank you. Just Let me just say a few things here. I'm watching my time. I have you out by 10 till midnight, okay? Okay, not everybody thought that was funny, but I have it out. I know what time I'm going to quit. So I just want to tell you a little bit about Heartland. Heartland is a ministry school. Uh, what that means is if someone is called to be a missionary, they're called to preach, they're called to stand up and lead the singing, know something about music, uh, be a secretary, uh, be a youth director. Uh, we have a program for that. We're a ministry school. If somebody wants to be a nurse, I think that's a fine thing. We don't have a program for that because that's not what we do. We're a ministry program, uh, ministry school, and that means this primarily. We have pastors that teach pastors. Now, I went to Bible college in another era, in another place, and I got a great education where I got my Bible college education 35 years ago, but I didn't, I don't even, I didn't even come close to getting what these students get. Homiletics. Uh, that's a class where you learn how to put a sermon together. And my homiletics professor, when I was in Bible college, had never pastored a church a day in his life, had never been on a church staff a day in his life, had never been involved in any, any kind of full-time ministry other than just he was a theologian. You know what I got out of that class? Not a whole lot. <laughs> well, you probably, you probably weren't listening. No, I was listening. It just didn't really help me. These young men get to send their man like, Jason Gaddis, he's going to be preaching senior camp here week from Monday. They got to sit under Sam Davidson, some of them, another great man of God. I'm just telling you, we have men like that that are teaching men how to preach the Word of God. And you say, I don't think that's a big deal. I'll tell you what, uh, go, to, go to a brain surgeon and just say, I want, and he's, he's not been to college, and he says, I just love to operate on brains. I'll tell you, I want somebody that's got some education, but I want somebody that knows what they're doing too. Amen. All right, so we're a ministry college. We are supported. I want to say thank you to Brian Baptist Church. Thank you for support of Heartland Baptist Bible College because it makes us one of the most affordable independent Baptist colleges in this country. And there are a lot of good independent Baptist colleges around the country. We don't have an ax grind with anyone. But our students are able to go for $8,610 for two semesters. That's a whole school year. Now, I, can, I could point you out to some, and you could do your own checking, uh, that'll cost you maybe $8,600. might get you halfway through a semester at some places, maybe a whole semester. And the only reason we're able to do that is because we have good churches like this that help support the Bible College. And we thank you so much for that. And I think another thing that makes Heartland unique is that our students get to be a part of Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And we do not use our students to build our ministries. We use our ministries to help build our students in their walk with God. The, we just don't say, now you get out here and you do something. Uh, they're working with members of the Southwest Baptist Church that have taught Sunday school, drove a bus, worked in junior church for 10, 15, 20, and yay, 30 plus more years. They're getting to work with people like that. It's a blessing. And so I just want to say, if you have any more questions you'd like to know about Heartland, well, I'd do my very best to be able to help you tonight. But again, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your support of our Bible College. We appreciate it so very much. I want to invite you to take your Bible tonight and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. 
and chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17 tonight. Now, I, I'm, um, I'm going to, uh, would you stand with me in honor of God's word, give you a chance to stretch your legs here for just a moment. I, I'm going to read the first 10 verses of chapter 17. And primarily, I'm only going to deal with the last four. But you need to see the context because I believe there's a reason Jesus told this story we're going to talk about tonight. So look with me here in verse number 1 of Luke chapter 17. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones here. So he said, don't call someone to stumble and fall. Everybody see that? That's what he's talking about. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he, repent, if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So Jesus told his disciples, you need to be willing to forgive people when they don't do you right. That's a, those, those are, those are full-length messages right there. I, I want you to see the gist of what's about to happen. So after Jesus told them to do this, verse 5, the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the word increase simply means we want you to aid, we want you to develop, we want you to grow our faith. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. All right? Everything Jesus just said there goes right into verse number 7. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. That means I think not. No, I don't think so. So likewise, here's the point. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, verses 1 through 4 primarily in the context here, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And For just a few moments tonight, I want to preach about the story of the servant's service. Father, thank you tonight for this good church, this dear pastor, these people here. I pray that you would bless in this next few moments as we look into the Word of God. I pray the Spirit of God would fill me. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help me to very clearly communicate, I believe, the, the truths here that we need in our individual lives. We certainly need to be reminded of tonight. And so I pray you'll bless in these next few moments. I pray you'll work in the hearts and the lives of your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. I'm going to start with two questions tonight, and when I get to the end of the message, I'm going to end with these two questions. And so here's the first question tonight. 
What does God owe you? What does God owe you? The second question is tonight is, what do you owe to God? What do you owe to God? Now, the answer that you give or that I would give shows what kind of a relationship you and I have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that would be very telling. There are some people that go through life thinking that God owes them something. Don't make me stop and preach this. I don't have time to preach this for 10 minutes. They think God owes them something. I deserve a nice house. I deserve a nice car. I, didn't, I deserve good health. I deserve a good paycheck. I deserve a good retirement. I deserve all. Hey, I go to church and I tithe and I read my Bible and I deserve this. I'm just telling you, there's people that feel that way and they think that God owes him something. And then there's a lot of people that spend their time grumbling when he fails to give them everything they think, everything they, think they deserve and everything they think they need. In their life. And listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Even when they get what they want, they always find something to complain to God about. Now, this isn't a true story, but it makes the point that I'm trying to get across tonight. There was a mother one time, probably in Oklahoma, since I'm from Oklahoma, we'll just say it's from Oklahoma, and a tornado came along because we're known for that and took her only son into heaven. Just, he was gone. And she said, Oh, Lord. I need my son. He's my only son. Please, please give him back. And all of a sudden, boom, he was right there. Unscathed, no scratches. He was good. And she looked up to heaven. She said, Lord, he had a hat. Sometimes I think that's how we are with God. He blesses us. He takes such good care of us. And then when we don't think he's given us everything that we deserve we still grumble and complain. But I'm going to tell you, I thank God that not everybody's like that lady in that story. There are other people that have an attitude of gratitude and they understand this. God doesn't owe me a thing. If He saved my sorry, sin-sick soul from a place called hell, that's good enough. He doesn't owe me anything. Because when I leave this life, I'm going to a place that's called heaven that I didn't work for, that I didn't earn, that I couldn't get there on my own, that I got it because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for all the blessings that come into my life that I don't deserve because of God's grace and God's mercy. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when I get things that I don't deserve, I'll tell you what it, make, what it makes me want to do. I want to praise Him. I want to thank him for all that he has done for me. So as we read here in the first six verses, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. And he said, don't offend others. And he said, you need to forgive those that wrong you. And they said, we want you to increase our faith, Lord. And one might presume. Well, if I'm not, making, if I'm not causing anybody to be offended, and if I am forgiving others, and maybe I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe, I know we wouldn't say this, but maybe we say, I think I've arrived. And I'm here to tell you that I believe that's why that story is here in verses 7 down through verse number 10. Because Jesus is going to kind of blow that thinking up. Because what he's going to tell us is simply this tonight. That when we've done everything we're supposed to do, we're still an unprofitable servant. 
So I want you to notice tonight, I want you to notice, this is not a long sermon, so please don't check out. Just check in, we'll get done real quick here. I want you to notice about six truths here tonight in these few verses. And they're very quickly, and I'll get right to the point. I want you to notice, first of all, and I think this is very important, to understand this servant's position. Would you notice he is called a servant? Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but that is a particular Greek word called doulos, and it's a bond slave. And such a servant was under the complete authority and the complete dominion of his master. In other words, his life was not his own. He didn't have any choices in the matter. Even Jews in this particular day and time, the ones that were evil and wicked, they were so despotic over their, uh, over their, uh, uh, their servants that they were, like, they were like cattle that when they passed off the scene, they gave these servants to their children as an inheritance. We would call them slaves in our day and time. But the point is this, that that servant had absolutely no authority, no rights whatsoever. Paul said, that's the, kind I serve, that's the kind of servant I am to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, which is the right attitude to have concerning our relationship to Jesus Christ. Because ladies and gentlemen, you and I belong completely to him. I don't have any hands, I don't have a body, I don't have any feet, I don't have any eyes because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 in verse 20 that I've been bought with a price and therefore because I've been bought with a price I'm supposed to glorify God in my body and my spirit which are His. I belong to Him because He is my Savior and He redeemed me and Jesus Christ ought to have, I said He ought to have complete authority over us because He is the Lord. He is the Savior. So here is this servant in this passage. He has no rights whatsoever. He doesn't own anything. His life is not his own. It all belongs to his master. And understand this. This is not a short-term service here for this servant. It's a lifelong experience. It's a lifelong service. That's what happens when you get saved. You don't get saved and say, I'll serve a short time. No, you do it forever. Paul didn't sign up for a one-year tour. He didn't sign up for a four-year tour. He signed up for a lifetime to follow Jesus Christ. And eventually, he lost his head over it. You know why? Because he was a servant. Now, notice this servant's responsibilities here. They're right here in the text. This servant is plowing. He is feeding. He is told to gird himself. He is told to serve the master, serve me. May I tell you that whatever God tells us to do in our individual life, time out, can I say this? God doesn't call everybody to preach. God doesn't call everybody into full-time ministry. I don't believe that. That's not so. But I tell you this, God saved you to serve him. What if I don't want to serve him? Then he got a poor deal. Because you were bought with a price. But I'm just telling you, we all have different responsibilities in this thing called life as we serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And no, we don't all do the same task. We don't all have the same responsibilities. No, we're not able to do. Maybe when you get, I'm 55 now. There are things that I can't do at 55 that I could do when I was 25 because physically I'm not able to anymore. But that doesn't mean we love God any less. 
And that doesn't mean it shouldn't mean that we serve God any less. We may not be able to do what we could do when we were younger, but we still serve the Lord. There are still many duties for us to accomplish in the work of the Lord. I want you to notice something else here. Notice this, that this servant had a lot of hard work to do. Where do you get that from? Well, he is plowing or he is feeding cattle. Now, I'm going to submit to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that either one of those tasks requires hard work in first century uh, A.D. in Judah. I'll just tell you, I used to pastor in Kansas. I pastored farmers. Those are some of the most hardest working people I ever met in my life. They worked before the sun was work, came up and they were working when the sun went down. They worked hard, but I'm think, I'll tell you, they all said I'm thankful for the modern machinery and technology that we have in this day and time. But understand this, they didn't have modern machinery in that day. It wasn't very convenient to do what they were doing, but they still had to go out. They still had to feed. They still had to plow. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of perspiration to get done. And I'm telling you, in the work of God, it's the same thing. I think I lost some people there. What do you mean it's the same thing? I'm just going to tell you, serving the Lord isn't easy. It's the best thing in the world. Everybody listen to this. It's the best thing in the world. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than serve the Lord. I've been serving Him. I I surrendered to preach 41 years ago this last Friday. I've been doing this for 41 years. I wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. Or anybody else out here, a gazillionaire. I'm telling you, I love serving God. But I'm going to tell you this. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. I will just submit this to you. I don't personally know your pastor, Brother Reno, but I'll tell you this. I, if he's a pastor, he is, and I believe that he is. I believe that he is. He works hard. He works hard. And I like people. People say, well, you preachers have it so easy. You only work two days a week. Now, the last guy told that to me. I said, I'll tell you what. You follow me around for a week, and let's see who cries uncle first. He didn't want to take me up on it. Because I'm going to tell you, your pastor may be up here preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But I'll guarantee you, there's a lot more stuff going on. If he's going to be what he needs to be in the pulpit, he's going to have to be prepared to preach. And that's going to take a work. And I'm going to tell you, when you put together a message and you're trying to hear from God so you can give your people, that's a lot of work. I'm just saying to you, there's a lot of work involved in the ministry. I love, I love pastoring. I pastored for 26 years. It was great. But now God's transitioned me. Now I'm working full-time at a Bible college. But you know what? They're both work. And I would say the difference between working as a pastor and being a pastor and working as a Bible college, as a pastor, everything's on you as the weight. I know he's the chief shepherd. I understand that. But listen, the under shepherd has a lot of weight on him because he's dealing with everybody's lives. I, I don't have that as a Bible college professor. But I had it as a pastor. But I'm telling you, I still deal with things in the work that I do in Bible college that's still just as stressful and still just as strenuous. I'm talking about different things we do. Is everybody listening to me? If you think getting saved served God, well, that's just for old ladies and sissies. and, And that's not for men. I'm here to tell you it takes a man to serve God. Because there's a lot of work involved. Yeah, it does. Takes a lot of work. And our our attention span many times, the thing of God, is very short. This servant had to get out there and work. Notice this. 
Notice something else here. Now notice the question. I don't even know if I emphasized the question here the way I should have. But he said, which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him by and by, and by and by simply means immediately, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. All right, now understand here, Jesus asking a question. Does a man that has a servant, does he say, you've been working out in the field all day, come in here and sit down and make yourself at home and feed yourself. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Will he not rather say, verse 8, uh, make ready wherewith I may sup, so I can have some supper. Gird thyself, serve me till I've eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. So I want you to notice this number three, that that servant had a priority, and the priority was take care of the master. The master came first. Everybody see that? The master came first. You've got to please the master. It By and by, as I said a while ago, it means immediately. And when orders are given, immediately we are to obey the master. Can I tell you whatever the Lord tells you to do? And I don't believe that he's only just speaking through a pastor. I think as you read your Bible and as you talk to God, I think God can tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. And as you do that... God expects you to obey. And when God gives orders and when you read the word of God and God speaks to you, God expects you to obey. Notice something else here. He said, afterward, thou shalt eat and drink. So the priority here for this servant service means there's going to have to be some sacrifice. In this story, this servant had to wait until his master was fed before he could sit down and he could eat himself. He had to, let me say it this way, he had to sacrifice his comforts, he had to sacrifice his pleasure so he could serve his master. I want to say to you that's the same thing that happens when you serve Jesus Christ. He's number one. He has first place. He's got the top priority. He's supposed to have top priority in your life. Here's what's happened in our society. Everything in our society, whether it be sports, that's a possibility. Whether it be work, that's a possibility. Whether it be an education system, that's a possibility. Everything revolves around the education system. Everything revolves around sports. Everything revolves around work or finances. I'm here to tell you that as a child of God, your whole world is supposed to revolve around Jesus Christ. He's supposed to be the center of your life. And that means that Jesus is going to have to have the priority. And that means you may have to sacrifice to do what God wants you to do. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I remember when I pastored in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there were people many times that left work so they could be at church on Wednesday night, didn't even get to eat supper till after church. By the way, I was one of those guys. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, my belly didn't come first. Because sometimes we have to sacrifice if we are going to serve the Lord the way the Lord needs to be served. And then notice he said afterward, thou shalt eat and drink. So let me just tell you what that means. You're back at the back of the line, bud. You're going to be last. Let me tell you what that means. That means this servant's going to have to be very Humble. And may I say to you tonight, I'm going to move on here real quick, that pride has absolutely no room in the life of a servant of Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. So notice this here. Real quick, number four, look at this. Notice that this servant had to prepare. Now notice what your Bible says here. Make ready, and he says, gird 
thyself. In other words, make ready is to make the necessary preparations, get everything ready so you can take care of my needs. He must prepare everything for the meal for the master, which includes not only the food that's going to be set before the master on the table, but all the arrangements, everything will be involved in that meal he's going to have to do. May I say to you that preparation and serving the Lord is very important. Probably going to have to park here for a second. I'm trying to hurry. But I'm just telling you, uh, we need to make preparations. Please listen to this. You need to make preparations before you ever come into this church building. Because your pastor, I have no doubt, he has made preparation. He has met with God. And I'm telling you as a pastor, I think sometimes people think it's all on him to get the job done. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's on everybody. This man has to be prepared. This man's prayed up. This man's got a message from God. But I'm telling you, he needs people holding him up in prayer like Aaron and Hur did Moses in the book of Exodus. He needs people that come in here and say, Oh God, we've been with you. We've asked you to meet with us this week. We've written our Bibles and God, would you help our preacher to say what I need to hear today? Because we need to hear from God. But I think sometimes it's not that God has a hard time saying something through the pastor, it's sometimes we're not prepared to hear what the pastor has to say because we've not made any preparation. Is everybody with me? Because this servant had to prepare. And I'm just telling you what this servant did here in this passage is what every one of us should do as a child of God. He made preparation, which meant, let me just say this. I shouldn't even have to say this, but I'm going to say it. That means you need to read your Bible. That means you need to pray. Well, we hear that all the time. You know why? Because maybe you're not doing it. And if you are, God bless you, keep it up, don't stop. But I'm just saying to you, the servant made preparation. Now notice something else here real quick. What did he get paid? Because he didn't serve for nothing. What did he get paid? Well, look down here at your Bible. Afterward, thou shalt eat and drink. The servant's pay consisted largely... Of food, clothing, lodging. So don't miss this. Uh, the, the focus here is on the food in the passage, in the text here. It's on the food. So while the servant is serving his master first, the servant didn't have to go without a meal because he was permitted to eat after the master got through eating in this passage. May I remind you that we're not serving God for not. We're not. Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm here to tell you, Listen to me. Listen. If you keep a nursery, if you teach a Sunday school class, if you deal with junior church, it's not in vain. Whatever you do for Jesus Christ through the Berean Baptist Church, I'm here to tell you, it is not in vain. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And I'm saying to you that patience many times is required afterward because we're not home yet. 
but we're going home one of these days. And I just soon it'd be tomorrow or tonight before midnight strikes. That'd be fine with me. So I'm just saying to you, don't be discouraged if you don't get what you're looking for right now. Because if you've been faithful in serving Jesus Christ, there's something up on the other side. And it'll be worth everything you've had to go through in this life to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this. Look at this. Verse 9 and verse 10. The servants praise. Jesus here in verse number 9 makes the point there is a lack of praise for a servant. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Somebody says, I don't understand that. Well, well, let me help you out here. If you have a job that pays you money, I'm just saying if you're still working, <laughs> does your boss every day when you come in say, thank you for coming to work. We appreciate your, we appreciate your faithfulness so much. Now maybe you do, but I, my boss at Heartland Best Bible College, he's never thanked me for coming to work. You know why? That's my job. Oh, we're going to work on this for about five minutes and I'm done. I don't get thanked because I do what I'm supposed to do. You know, 26 years of pastoring, you know I know some people that have quit serving God because somebody didn't come along and good job. And I'll just tell you, I tried to do that to everybody I could possibly, but in the midst of things, I'm eventually going to overlook somebody. And when you do, somebody's offended because he didn't denounce me. He didn't recognize me. And it's not that I was overlooking. I just, I forgot. I'm a human being. I forget. But you know what? If we're doing it for recognition, then probably we're doing it for the wrong reason anyway. Because we're supposed to be doing everything we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. And so notice this here in verse 10. Notice this. So likewise... Ye, stop right there. He's talking to the disciples in the context. That's who he's talking to. He's given this story. He's told about this servant's service. And he says, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So think about this real quick. Doing our duty seems like a big cause for praise. Not a lack of praise. But I'm telling you in 2022, and probably before this, but this is where we're at today, we are so used, we are so used to subpar performance that normal activity seems like extra special meriting of praise just because I did the normal. Is everybody with me? I did the normal. But I want you to notice that Jesus in this story, he really did raise the standard high. The text says, notice this, that even if we have done those things which are commanded for us to do, we haven't done anything special. Boy, that hurts the old flesh. We've only done our duty. So can I give you some illustrations real quick? What might I be talking about? Years ago, and you probably haven't done this, but I remember growing up as a kid, people used to get ribbons for coming to Sunday school. Perfect attendance. I remember that. Perfect attendance. You know, if you had perfect attendance for 50 years and you never got sick, you did your duty. 
You know, if you read through your Bible every year, that's your duty. Do you know that if you got up and you spent some time every day consistently for 365 days and talked to God, you didn't do anything worthy? You just did your duty? Do you know if you just tithe to this local New Testament church and if you just give to Faith Promise Missions and if you're just a witness and pass out tracts to people, invite people to Berean Baptist Church, do you know you you haven't done anything special? You just did your duty. And see, here's the problem in modern Christianity. We think because, well, I tithe, I give to Faith Promise Missions and hey, I go to church. I go to church. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. But how about on Wednesday night? How about when you have special meetings? I'm just asking. I'm not accusing them because I don't know. But I'm telling you, well, we had, we had a Sunday through Friday revival, and I made it three nights. Boy, somebody ought to praise me for that. Well, you just did your duty. And I think, I think what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples is simply this. When you do your duty, you haven't done anything extraordinary. You've just done what a Christian's supposed to do. I want to make sure I say this and I'm done tonight. That this confession will not encourage complacency. It will not encourage self-satisfaction. But will be helped in motivating us. i got to do more. Because I'm just doing the bare minimum. I'm just doing the bare minimum in my life. Now I want to remind you of this, that salvation is all of grace and there's no room for boasting when we get to heaven about how we got there. But ladies and gentlemen, if you and I got what we deserve, we would really literally be in hell tonight. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has done so much for us in saving our sorry souls from a place called hell. It ought to call us to say, you know what? I ought to do everything I can because I'm just a Christian, I'm a servant, and I'm only doing my duty. So question tonight. So what does God owe you? That's where we started. And the bigger question is, what do you owe God? No, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't earn your salvation. I'm not even intimating that tonight because that's not what the Bible teaches. But I am saying the story of this servant's service, it ought to cause us to stop and think. I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm an unprofitable servant. I've only done my duty. Because Jesus Christ has done so much for me. I ought to do everything I can to bring honor and glory to his name through the Berean Baptist Church. He gets the glory. And I'm just doing what a Christian is supposed to be doing. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I thank you so much for your attention to the Word of God tonight. I want to ask you just a couple of questions. We're going to have an invitation, and we're going to be done. And, 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 and this invitation, it's not between you and Rocky Harrell, because it doesn't matter. But it is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. And I don't know, I'm going to ask this tonight. Maybe there's somebody here and you're not saved. I'm not asking you if you're a Baptist, you've been baptized, you joined the church, turned over a new leaf, you did some religious Ritual, I'm asking you, do you know you're saved tonight? And maybe there's somebody here in this auditorium, you say, Brother Rocky, I don't know that I'm saved tonight. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I'd like to pray for you. My prayer wouldn't save you, but you're at least acknowledging tonight, I, 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 I need to talk to someone. Is there, now I, wouldn't, I wouldn't come down and point you out. I don't know your name, but I'd like to pray for you. Is there anybody like that at all tonight? 
in this room say, Brother Rocky, would you pray for me? Pray for me. Then let me ask this tonight. I'm asking. I'm not accusing because I don't know your heart. Do you have the attitude that God owes you something? I'm asking. Do you consider yourself a bond servant to Jesus Christ? Does he have absolute authority over you? Are you willing to do what only you can do in working hard in the Lord's service? No, you may not be able to do what you can do with younger. We already covered that. But are we still doing what God wants us to do in our life? Is there any preparation in your life to serve the Lord? When you come to church, when you start your day, or you're starting it on purpose with Him? Do you serve the Lord because somebody has to praise you and thank you? Or do you say, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord because He's been so good to me. He doesn't owe me anything. I'm asking. We're still unprofitable servants when we've done everything that we're supposed to do as a child of God. I don't know how God may have used this tonight. And that's not really my concern. My concern is just to preach where God led me to preach tonight. And, and this is where we're at. And maybe you're a child of God here tonight. And you'd say, you know, Brother Rocky, God really spoke to my heart tonight. And, and there's, there's something in my, my life I just need to talk to the Lord about tonight. And would you pray for me? I'd like to pray for you. I think if you just have at least acknowledged, yes, there's an error in my life I need to pray over. Would you just lift your hand up there and hold it there for just a moment tonight? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. And that's between you and the Lord. But whether you come to an altar tonight or whether you get where you're at, I think, it, I think the Lord deserves for you to do business with Him tonight in this invitation time. So let's stand together and I'm going to pray. And Miss Lee is going to play. And we'll have our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to do whatever you need to do, that's between you and the Lord tonight. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the plainness. Thank you for the clarity of it. Would you bless in this invitation? I thank you for the many hands that were raised here in this auditorium tonight. And Lord, I know not how you've worked. I believe that you have worked. That's what I want to acknowledge tonight. So whatever needs to be done during this invitation time in the life of your people, I pray that you would accomplish it now for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Miss Lee is going to play. If you need to respond in any way whatsoever, we're going to invite you to do so in these next few moments. If you want to bow in your pew, that's between you and the Lord. <laughs>